Welcome to the first installment of Iron Sharpens Iron of the No Name Yet podcast. It has been brought to my attention that I've been calling my own podcast by the wrong name, saying Iron versus Iron. I don't know how that got in to my mouth, but it I'm having a hard time getting rid of it. The name is Iron Sharpens Iron, and we are going to be talking about Scripture in a way to relate to people who have never opened the Bible, to people who have read the Bible uh, for a long time. And I hope that you enjoyed this first installment with a friend of the show, EJ, and Pastor James C. Simmons. And next week, we will have another installment of Iron Sharpens Iron. Enjoy the show. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. Welcome to the No Name Yet podcast. That is a podcast with no name. And on tonight's Iron versus Iron is the man who was looked over for the worst guest ever who said he wanted to come on the first episode of Iron versus Iron, EJ! And also on the show tonight for his second appearance, on the No Name Yet podcast is the pastor of all Rochester pastors, the pastor of all AME folks, the Reverend James C. Simmons! <clears throat> My voice cracked. <laughs> Well, I, I, uh, I'm so happy to have uh, both of you on the first installment of Iron versus Iron. So I'd like to say welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. All right. And uh, Reverend Simmons is uh, joining us from Rochester, New York. And EJ is joining us from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. All right. All right. So uh, Reverend Simmons has been a pastor for how many years now? Um, some years, 16. 16, 16 years. years. Oh, my God. And EJ listened to his first three chapters of the Bible today. Yes. I'm trying to learn. I don't want to be... Well, I don't want to be ignorant when I come in here, and then I'm right. sitting here wasting time asking questions. I know. Well, well, EJ, EJ, I do I'm still a, have some questions. You, you, you don't know how much my heart leapt when you sent me the text saying that you were listening to the scriptures. Amen. So, Amen, Amen, and uh, so. Um, I just wanted to uh, get uh, your guys' opinion on this new background. This is uh, very bright. <laughs> it's bright, you said? It's very bright. Bright, okay. So uh, for those that are listening, uh, it is uh, the No Name Yet podcast background reworked. Um, I did say 
uh, to uh, EJ and Pastor Simmons earlier. I didn't like the way the colors came out, and I was going to see what they thought. But uh, up in the uh, upper right-hand corner, it says Iron Sharpens Iron. It still says no name yet in the middle with the uh, colors in the background. But the uh, San Damiano Cross has been uh, imposed on the logo. And the reason I picked the San Damiano Cross is I am um, I am uh, affiliated with a third order Franciscan uh, order uh, a community. Amen. If that means anything to anybody. Amen. <laughs> see, see, to someone like me, that was that was a lot of words. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't, right. I don't understand there's three orders. I, I'm assuming there's more. I mean, it's... fear not, EJ. That's a lot of words to me, too. <laughs> okay. All right. Sometimes he likes to make a short story long, but we just give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, okay. I won't even go into it and explain it. Maybe yeah. they'll leave that to another show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but as I was preparing uh, for the show uh, uh, this evening, I uh, came across uh, this cross right here. Uh, this is a cross, and it's a Lego cross. And Jesus is on the cross, and he's got a little smile on his face. And uh, this cross was made by my nephew when he was a child. And he gave it to me one Easter with uh, some chocolate. So I thought... it. I would put that next to me during this first installment of Iron versus Iron. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think it has to be uh, a metal or, or, or you know a fancy cross. Yeah. No, nope. that's it. You say that I'm gonna put on my cross. Okay. <laughs> Wear it and rock it with you. All right. So what we're what we're going to get into uh, tonight is uh, the first three chapters of Genesis. And uh, I have gone back and forth on ready, ready, uh, whether to read those scriptures, and we're not going to read the scriptures. So we're going to talk about the first three chapters of Genesis. And as EJ had found out when he went to listen to them, that they were not as long as he thought they were. And uh, just remind us again how long it took you to listen to the first three chapters of Genesis. So the video I found uh, with the guy reading, uh, he, he I think he reads all of it, and it's like a three hour, seventeen minutes long. And of uh, what? Of what? Of Genesis. The but, whole book. Yeah, yeah, the whole book. So oh, the whole book. I didn't, I didn't really know when he would stop, like when he would get finished <laughs> reading the the three parts. So as he's okay. reading, as, he, as he's reading it, I'm reading it, and then I get, to, I finally figure out where he's at, and by the time I do, I realize. Oh, he already finished. He finished at, at eight minutes or, or nine minutes. So it's really not that long. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So the magic number is eight minutes. Because I, I know you frightened some people when you said three hours. Yeah, no, but that, I, that, that was the whole book, I'm assuming. <laughs> All it? right. Okay. Um, and and what, what was the thing that jumped out? Uh, jumped out at you about those first three chapters, EJ. You you how mentioned easy, it as you were coming easy, on. Yeah, how how for the first thing, I'm uh how easily we are bamboozled 
by mm. by the snake. I, he got us, man. I, it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, what? Right. what oh, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Well, well, let's dwell on that. So, uh, the the other thing that you did mention and that you didn't realize, uh, you said as you were coming on, uh, to the show was that there are two stories contained within oh. those within those first three chapters. So the 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 first story uh, takes place over six days. The se- seventh day uh, is a day of rest, which established uh, the uh, Sabbath day. And uh, the the second story is uh, a, a larger story of the uh, Garden of Eden. And the uh, the the first account welcomes existence according to uh, divine initiative and design. And uh, the second account does not indicate any timetable. There's no six days and, and a Sabbath. And uh, as opposed to the first, uh, the human uh, the human being, well, Adam was made first. Whereas the human beings in the first story were made second, and uh, the one other thing that, uh, as I was as I was reviewing and 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 looking at uh, study Bible notes, uh, is that uh, God is more of an authoritative figure in the first story, where He, he creates by command, and as in the second story, He is more intimate. He kind of uh, like speaks things into existence in the first one, right? He's just like, you know what? I want, I want water, and then it just it's like, all right, well, here's some oceans. <laughs> yeah, yep. And in the, in the second, he, uh, you know, is is talking directly with Adam and and Eve. So, anything, uh, Reverend Simmons, that stands out to you right from jump? Um, like in the differences of the stories and. Yeah. One and three. So let me say up front um, for everyone listening that Reverend Moran sent me what I was supposed to review and supposed to know. But, you know, you know I, I remember <laughs> when we got back on the show. Um, so but the good thing is, is good thing is I love the Bible. Um, and so I, I think it is clear that there's two separate stories in chapter one and chapter two. Um, and if we actually was to read these texts in their original language, like they're translated into English. Um, so if we read it in the original language, we would see like some words are different. Um, I think in one of the chapters, God, the name God is Elohim. In another chapter, the name is Yahweh. Um, and so that for if you're looking closely, you know that there's some differences in the story. Um, between chapter one, chapter two. I think in chapter one, you kind of have this broad overview, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In chapter two, it kind of feels a little more specific, right? In chapter one, this is the story about the creation of the heavens and the earth. In chapter two, it's the story of the creation of the earth and the heavens. Chapter one is kind of macro. Chapter two is kind of micro, right? Chapter one is doing like this broad overview. Chapter two is kind of like we on the ground. Chapter one, you're in the plane. Chapter two, you're in the car, right? I like how that rhymes. So you kind of see those differences um, in, in, in that reality. And so actually, like, whenever we do the next one, 
Um, like you look, because there's multiple kind of stories, like Noah in the Ark. There's multiple Noah stories in the text, you know, all those kind of things. And me and my brother, my brother's 11 years older than me, right? And we were having a conversation the other day. And when we were talking about the car, you know, we were talking about what we were talking about it. He remembers stuff one way. I remember stuff another way. I'm the more, I like administration. I like the ground. I like the details. He more visionary. He looked at it a whole different, same story, but we saw it two different ways. And I think whenever we look at um, the differences that we kind of sometimes find, like in this creation narrative, you got the same thing, but you got people looking at it two different ways. Um, and well, let's stop there. Y'all need to say, go ahead, Pastor, but just knowing that on your head, <laughs> top of your head. Say, go ahead, go. Give it, give it All right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I think about whenever I think about these differences in the narrative. Yeah. And uh, you know, the one thing that that uh, we need to keep in mind, and, and I really think that uh, what you just shared, Pastor Simmons, lends itself to, to the point of the show, is to talk about Scripture making it accessible. So, so, so EJ, for you that were, that looked at this for real, you know, closely for the first time, um, uh, what Pastor Simmons has said, I mean, how did that resonate with you and, and your encounter with the scripture? Well, I think he's right. I think there are some people that, that are only going to see the broad strokes, I guess, kind of like me, you know, because I don't really, it's the first time I started reading it. And then there'll be other people that see see all the finer things, all the little all the little details. Mm-hmm. So I think I think we we need that perspective, both perspectives. I think I think it's good. You know, so, and and I love what you, what you're saying too, because like what it always makes me think of, or kind of makes me think of, is like God has room for everybody. Like if the book can get the broad stroke people and can get the detailed people and get like when I used to take tests. I'm real slow at taking tests, right? By the time I get done taking the test, everybody is gone from the room. And I used to think that meant that I was like deficient. Um, but like when I see so many differences like this, like, oh, okay, he got time for the slow ones, time for the fast one. I got room. <laughs> and uh, it helps me feel better just knowing that everybody's kind of included in the puzzle. So, so when- everybody. Mm-hmm. So when 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 I when I looked at it and and to be honest with you I had read both stories several times before I went to seminary, but then when we studied both stories you're like oh yeah there's two stories there I mean it's what seminary uh, Northeastern Cemetery and I mean, right. I, I mean I mean what is seminary oh what like seminary seminary somebody don't know what oh okay seminary? seminary is a school for uh, clergy for pastors. For See, people who are that. going to priest. Okay. Thank you, <laughs> Reverend Simmons. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I I had to go to seminary. I had to get uh, training in uh, theology, which uh, basically is how, you know, we do faith, uh, how we approach God, how we analyze God. And, um, and I needed that degree to be ordained. Uh, an elder. Mm. So uh, many denominations uh, require it. Some don't. 
uh, but the mind did. And uh, so when I did, you know, so when we started, you know, looking at at, at Genesis, you know, it, it pointed out the obvious that there were two stories at the beginning. You know, of course I knew, but I didn't I never asked why. So I think we've answered to a certain extent on why there would be two stories that it, it looks at things from two different perspectives. Um, any thoughts on um, what the, the writers may have wanted uh, people to get out of the two different stories? I think the first one is kind of like Cliff Notes. It's just like, well, this is basically the rundown of how he did it. And then the second the second chapter or whatever, I think is them getting into the weeds of, of everything. Like, oh, well, you know, we kind of told you the how he created like the universe and everything. But I mean, if you want to know everything about like the planet, well, here you go. This is how the animals and the fish and the, the birds, how the people came to be. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think the first story is, uh, I think it's an easy way to get people into it. You know, like we're not going to, blow your mind yet <laughs> we're gonna get you interested so you can keep reading keep so i i love i love the genesis narrative um you know i i preach from it a lot um and so like in the first so if, if most my i i i uh my grandmother if you know me you're gonna hear me talk about my grandmother a lot right and my grandmother used to have a lot of jokes, a lot of stories, a lot of lines, a lot of everything. But my grandmother, when when she died, that's when my brother and I were like, hey, we need to write these stories down. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that to say most of the Bible, like we think that, you know, way back in creation, that's when they sat down and wrote this, right? And then they wrote the next book. And then they, but that's not really how it went down. It was when the people hit a crisis and they were like, we better start writing down our history. It, it's when, when their, their whole world was turned upside down, when their world, when it felt like they got hit in the gut, when everything that they knew was gone, when they experienced extreme loss, they were like, we need to start writing these things down. And I love it that their world is in chaos. And so they jump to, they start to remember when their foreparents told them about the world being formed and the world was in chaos. And how God comes in the middle of chaos and creates this beautiful creation. And if you look at like the Genesis narrative, if you look at the, the first creation, it's like, you know, God is very orderly, very rational. Like what he does on day one, he populates on day four. What he does on day two, he populates on day five. What he does on day six, he populates on, you know I mean, on day three, he populates on day six. So on day one, and he, he making like, you know, the, the skies and all that stuff. And on day four, which lines up, he's making the birds and all that kind of stuff. You know, then he's creating the water. And on, so here, day two's water, day, what is that? Four, five, day five, he's creating the fish. Like, it's very rational. It's very orderly. And I love that because in the middle of chaos, it's a good reminder of us that God can take chaos and make creation. God can take chaos and create order. God can take chaos and make something beautiful in, from that chaos. So I love that. And then I love like the last thing he creates on day one, I mean on in the chapter one is humankind. 
you know, everything else he's looking at, he's like, he looks at it, it's good. He looks at, I mean, even his speech pattern, talking about order, he normally goes through the same speech pattern too, right? You know, God look, God create, God commanded, it was so, and God and said, it yeah. He's the same. <clears throat> he gets the humankind. I mean, he gets the humankind and it's different. You know, he, he has a whole, he puts more emphasis in humankind. It's literally like you see humankind's the pinnacle of creation. And where on the other days he says, okay, this stuff is good. Oh, uh, he looks, he creates us and he's like, oh, no, nah, that thing's very good. And I, I like that God looked at me when I was created and <laughs> said, oh, man, that thing looked very good. So I think that's like chapter one. I love it. And then chapter two, you know, you get that more specific details. And y'all, the, the verse that I look, is that chapter two? The verse, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I'm here, I'm here about to say something. Let me make sure I'm right. Yeah, 215, one of my favorite verses. The Lord God took humankind, put it in the garden to work it and take care of it. So it's almost like in chapter two, like verse one, we see we're created, right? We see we're beautiful. We see that we're very good. But in chapter two, it's almost like God saying, yeah, you're created, but now you got work to do. Mm -hmm. God took humankind, put it in the garden to work it and take care of it because God makes this beautiful creation. And if somebody doesn't take care of the land, weeds are going to grow in the land and choke out the life. If somebody doesn't take care of the land, these weeds are going to hide the beauty out of the land. And so who did I put in this garden? That that very good creation and your job is to work it and take care of it. So I, I love that. Verse one, we, you know, you can celebrate in the beauty, but verse two, chapter two, you got some work to do. So, so I don't see them narratives in there. So that, that, that was, and I'm glad that you mentioned it, uh, Reverend Simmons, is that God looked at everything that he did. And when you were talking about making order out of chaos, as he was creating and creating that order, he was saying he was seeing the good in the work that he had done. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, you know, that it's, it's a very, it's a very positive uh, litany of uh, uh, an orderly scripture of that this is good. That, you know, we, we look at the news from day to day and we go, oh, my God, this is, you know, what's going on in this world. But we have to remember that what God created was good. He named it good and we can see the good in his creation. And in saying that, EJ, uh, I don't know if this stood out to you or not, but in those scriptures, it says that we are made in God's image. And so what how does that strike you that you are made in God's image? I feel like I'm not the issue here. I feel like when he says that, I'm more thinking of like the serial killers <laughs> and, and all the bad people. And I'm like, damn. So you're saying that you could be like this too, God? Is that what you're saying to me? If we're like you, then that means you have these uh proclivities for for, for violence and and, and evil. <laughs> Maybe maybe he just hold maybe he can just hold himself back. He just has uh he has more self control than we do. Which I think you're jumping into chapter three, which you kind of see some of the pieces. So it's like that that God creates this wonderful, beautiful, good creation. But then in chapter three, um, some people see say the intrusion of sin. Some people call it original sin. I call it human nature. We see now this human nature. In I feel like it wasn't even our fault though, man. Because we wouldn't have did anything if it wasn't for that snake. Like, we would have been perfectly fine to just live around, walking around naked. It would have been fine. Well, I, I, I want to put a pause on it right there. 
I mean, the transition that you just provided for us that, that, you know, that he called, he called uh, humans very good. And so is he calling the, the serial killers very good? That is the, that is the point and the reason for the second story. And ah. so, and then, and, and, and then as we talk about the snake, which, which you had called uh, something along the, the, the lines before we got restarted recording as an SOB or something like that. Mm-hmm. All right. That, that snake. Um, when, when, when we look at public discourse and, uh, the way people talk about the the creation story, and that some people believe these stories to actually be uh, literal and actually what happened. That I, I'll say right off the, the right off the rip that I believe that God is communicating to us through story. That I don't know that I could get in a time machine and actually see that story played out if that so makes I sense question. i have a question how much how much of these stories has gotten watered down through just passing it through the generations not not even like counting like mistranslating it you know from from one language to another that's that and i think that's an that's an excellent question i think scripture is good we anytime we put anything into humans hands we take a risk, right? And I think that's why it's like, sometimes it's good. That's why we go to school to learn how to read it in original languages. We go to learn, you know, what the original words meant and all that. And that's why sometimes studying scripture in community um, is a good thing um, or with with somebody who, who has some experience, some deep experience, because like, you remember I was saying Elohim and Yahweh and those different things, you know, that we can. So, well, those are names of God. So just those were the names of God. So remember, in English translation, we just see God, right? That's when you see God. But in the original language, you would see those specific names. Um, and so that's and that's really names from specific communities, how they call God. But that's that's why sometimes it's good to be in community that we can help sometimes see what some what an editor later came and put on. Sometimes you read some study Bibles and. And it'll have those little, you know, the letters uh, beside different scriptures. And at the bottom, if you might have read, you saw at the bottom, you might see something that says, you know, this scripture, this verse was added later or something mm-hmm. by editor to try to make it clearer for us um, when they compiled it into one book. Because all these were separate books, right? And some of the books of the Bible, like Isaiah, is like multiple books put together. Um, and so, but that's. That's why we study it in community. It kind of helps us figure those things out and helps us with it. And, and, and one of the things I think that one of the things I think it helps uh, uh, understand what the Bible is is if you, you think of the Bible as a library, and that there are books in the library. In the library, um, and whatever kind of reading stuff you like, I mean, is in here. <laughs> That's. Whatever genre you like is it if you want love it's stories, all the genres. It's in here. If you want, if you want uh, I, whatever you want, it's in the book. You said something. It's I think sometimes it's hard to see the good in people. And sometimes I think our natural inclination is to label people and discredit people and automatically oh. 
It's and, hard to see the good in someone when they're locked up because they killed the family or something, you know. And and, and, and I when think, people say, if you accept him, he'll forgive you. Like, well, maybe I don't want him to forgive these people. Maybe, so, maybe and if I, think, I go to heaven, I don't want to see those those serial killers up there. What if they killed my family? That's not fair to me that I got to see you up there. You don't belong up here. Well, and and I think too, you know. So in interaction. So, like, I always wear this this cross. I um, interned in a federal prison, um, and the brothers and sisters, the brothers in the prison, actually made this. This is out of nails. Made this cross for me, um, and I think it's sometimes you know easy for those like if if I see if I work in prison and I see person as inmate, or if I see person by their sin or by their mistake or by their you know whatever, I'm then unable to minister to them. And I think sometimes the Bible works against our natural inclination or works against our what, what we've been trained necessarily to do. That uh, what you say is, is something no different. You know, I've heard in um, my tradition coming up, uh, I'll say my, my foreparents, I'm descending of slaves. And said, I don't want to see no slave master when I get into heaven, right? And you're telling me, you know what I mean? And so this is how this is how some of my foreparents rationalized that there's a scripture, and I'm jumping. Hold on, I'm sorry. There's a scripture in John that says, you know, in my father's house there are many mansions. Um, what's that? John chapter 14. In my father's house there are many mansions, right? Um, and how some my foreparents said, well, I'm going to get a bigger mansion. They just going to be in a chicken coop, right? So I'm trying to, try to rationalize, but I think <laughs> it's all said and done, you know, um, we don't know what tomorrow holds. But I, I think um, when I interned in the prison for a lot of times, I kept hearing like different stuff people were in there for sometimes. I feel like, oh, man, I just ain't get caught, right? <laughs> that be the only difference. But um, I think that's one of the things that this text uh, pushes us forward. Yeah. And, and I'd, I'd like to follow up that with saying that uh, when we look for the, uh, the, the spiritual benefit of the scriptures, uh, that if we're not challenged by them, uh, then, then, then we're, we're not increasing our spirituality. So, it's so not it, it so, won't be easy, is what you're saying. That that's that's right. I mean, you're saying you're saying something that is completely natural to feel is that you see people do heinous things. The the inclination is that you want heinous things done to them. You don't want or, to, or, to, or, to, I, to maybe just not not have them go to heaven. I mean, not not that, go to heaven. But you know, the alternative is to you know spend eternity in torment. So and I, I think, and the other struggle for me is I'm not a serial killer, not a rapist. Those things are like in society, like we we make large. But if you put the totality of some of the stuff I've done, like I'd be in trouble my own self. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there go I. And, and, you know, sometimes some of us are just one, you know, one wrong turn away from doing some crazy things, you know. One one person snapping us wrong, one person whatever, and and but the great but the grace of God, there go I. Do you think that the snake was just a metaphor for uh, another person? 
you put giving you that push, you know, making you snap. And that's and that's what happened. So I I um I like the snake narrative, right? This is this is me that remember Rand said he can't get in the time machine and go to like I could like I like jumping into the stories and walking around. Um and so like whenever I'm I'm like in the story and I'm thinking about it, I'm like, here goes this snake. Um and um pretty much the snake is spreading half truths. Like if you think about um, you know, I mean, did, he God, said did, did, did yeah, God really right. say, you know what I mean? Like the snake's almost making you second guess uh, what's going on. And I know some people like who do the exact same thing, you know what I mean? They'll, they'll, they'll spread half truths. And I think a half truth is a whole lie. Um, there are people <laughs> who will, you know, make you second guess stuff. And I think the struggle where I get mad with Adam and Eve is, I get mad with Adam and Eve is that God, you know, in those next verses says God was walking in the garden and all that stuff. Like they had God was right there. God was accessible to them and they did not catch it. They ain't go ask them. They ain't double check. They ain't do mm -hmm. nothing. And I hey, know, man, look, I've been looking online at some stuff. Nonsense. Like what? Is any of this yeah. true? And then he probably Think about stuff you. people put online. It's like, did you fact check that? And we don't live, <laughs> you know, and it's like, Ask somebody. And so I kind of, you know, when I get in there, that stuff I get mad at. Like, you know, before you jump to conclusions, before you just ask, them, and especially when you know God's been good to you, he ain't messed you up yet. He and he definitely has all the answers. Like, if you're going to get a fact checker from anybody, uh, he, they would be the person or, or being. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Say that. Say that. Oh, yeah, that's, 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 yeah. And 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 oh, I I like I like the way I like the way you put that, uh, Reverend Simmons. As they did, they didn't do any fact checking. Uh, but I mean, the, the 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 second story is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible because it 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 displays the cup uh, the corruptibility of hu human beings, and that. When when the humans were corrupted in the Garden of Eden, is that is when God expelled them because the Garden of Eden wasn't corrupted. That God had created a paradise, it was perfect. And so he expelled them after they were corrupted. And I can't explain why the snake would be in the Garden of Eden if it wasn't corrupted, but the, the snake was there. Um, but it goes on to show us that, and, and, and it's something that I deal a lot with in, in, uh, chaplaincy where people wonder why bad things happen in the world. And that there is a, there's a book, uh, by a rabbi, uh, called uh, why do bad things happen to good people where he ponders, why was it that his child uh, was uh, afflicted with progeria and oh, only lived, I, I, I think, to the age of 10. Oh, and he, he goes through God's story. And, and what the conclusion that he comes to is that God did not afflict his child with progeria. The conclusion he came is that the world is corrupted. And because of the corruption that a lot of the things that we encounter are because of the free will of men and women. 
Mm. And that we do live in a corrupted world and that God is there for us as we encounter this corrupted world. That God promises that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And and that then that scripture becomes difficult to wrap your mind around when you're dealing with an illness or you're dealing with some kind of tragedy. What you listen to the testimonies of people that lives are guided by God and in the darkest hours that God is with them at the darkest times. And so that second story shows us that it wasn't God that corrupted the world. It was our human natures, our our uh, inclination to be bamboozled by the snake <laughs> and, and, like to, and to think that we're on par or that we're more powerful than God. Because they... They, yeah, they, I mean, you're right. You're right. But the, the snake kind of, kind of said that. Like he's like, "Hey, man, if you eat this apple, like you're gonna, you're gonna know what he knows." And and after we uh, we ate the apple, he didn't argue that that we, you know, he's like, "You now you know what I know," you know. Yeah, I think I think so that what, is- what I, I guess I guess the whole point is uh, don't give in to uh, your uh, I guess temptation or weakness, but. Uh, why would you want to keep all, all this uh, information from us, too, as is another one of my questions. I mean, all this information can only benefit. Well, and I think I think, too. So it one of the one of the tactics of the serpent was to make them believe that God withheld information from them. Mm. Right. Um, it was to make them think that and that caused them that caused them to lose trust in God. And if I lose trust in God, then I don't go to God for answers. I don't go to God um, for solution. You know what I mean? And and all that. And I think, you know, he said God will make, it's almost like, um, you know, parenting, you try to protect your children from some things. And indeed, their eyes were open. They saw the world very differently. I think whatever decisions we make, it, it causes our, you know, before we ain't know we was naked. Now we know it causes us to see this world differently. There was a whole nother you know, the Bible, we only see this creation, but now we know there was some stuff outside of the garden that God was protecting us from, mm-hmm. right? We see the world now differently. Um, and I think, you know, the Bible also helps us to see, or this narrative helps us see sometimes, you know what I mean? Whatever decision we make, there's, there's normally consequences to the decision, right? Uh, and so there was a consequence to the decision, but I still like that even when there's a consequence to the decision, you still see God's care in the decision, right? He still does the protection of them. He still does it. Still makes them something, you know, to wear. He still, you know, but there's still like so. So I know I used to get punished, right? I used to get in trouble um, all the time, <laughs> but I still had food to eat. Still had a roof over my head. Still had some clothes over my back. I had consequences for my decision, but there was still some care <laughs> in the consequences. Um, and so I think you kind of see that in the text as well i mean it's true i'm out into the woods and say oh figure it out he's like listen uh here's here's your purpose this is what you got to do uh go go do it and 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 this also brings up one of the, the the other aspects of that second story uh is the knowledge of good and evil 
That's what God was protecting them from. And so if we dive into the story like like Pastor Simmons says, and and, and I and I've di- and I've dived into it myself and and the question that that comes to mind that without the knowledge of good and evil, how human were Adam and Eve? That they did not have the knowledge to know that there was good and that there was evil. The I min- they knew. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, the minute that they knew, there needed to exist evil. Ah. Uh. Or they wouldn't be able to tell the difference. But th- there was already evil, clearly, with the snake. I mean, with maybe, the snake. Maybe but but God was. But as their eyes were opened, you know, and 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 it it, it comes. You ask the question, you know, were Adam and Eve just automatons? Did they have any free will in the Garden of Eden? But now that they knew that there was good and that there was evil, and they were expelled out of a paradise now they were actually if we're talking about on a a, maybe kind of a very two-dimensional aspect of things free they they were now free to do what they you know they were free to operate on by their own devices and thus when Human beings are not in paradise, operating on their own devices. Then you get some real sketchy things and tragic things happening in the world. I know, I know, y'all are deep, but all I know is ignorance is bliss. I was about to say that too. Like, I guess, I guess that the, the ignorance is bliss kind of kind of matters then. Because if they just didn't even care, they were just like, you know what? You're saying that we don't know this information and we'll get it from this apple. Like, who cares? You know what? Forget about it. I I guess it would have been fine. (laughs) I found some peace. I deactivated some of my social media. And I said, ooh, this is much more peaceful (laughs) when I don't know a whole lot of stuff going on. Right? And sometimes if I don't see, you know, because if you said earlier, I turn on the news, all I see is bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news, and it 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 sinkens my spirit, it depresses my spirit. And sometimes, if I don't see all that news, <laughs> just ignorance is bliss. I feel much better going through some of my processes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thank God that God protects me from some things, and some things I got to learn how to protect myself from. Um, and I think that's part of in the text is that we have a proclivity uh that 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 it shows our proclivity you don't have to you got to teach a a child not to touch a hot stove because we have a proclivity to touch the hot stove and and lord help me to hold my proclivities at bay Mm -hmm. uh, so that i'm not exposed to some of those things that are are uh uh uh, my mind is not open to some of those things uh that you you were trying to protect me from amen so um any more thoughts on these uh two first uh two stories of the bible mm. uh, i'll let you guys go first i'm, I'm thinking gather my thoughts okay. well I, I think you know i think a chapter one um 
how much God values humankind, that we are made in the image of God. Chapter two, the Lord God took humankind, put them in the garden to work it and take care of it, that if this beautiful creation is going to remain, um, that we have to work the land and we have to take care of it. Chapter three, God's trying to protect us. God's trying to you know, keep us from some things. And we got to count the cost when we don't listen because uh, <laughs> sometimes the consequences are stuff we don't want to deal with. But thank God, there's a scripture where it says his, lang his anger lasts for over only a, uh, a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Thank God that there's still the forgiveness of sin. Thank God that God somehow or some way I might, you know, I might have to a little hard not life more than I wanted, but thank God that he still walks with me and protects me in the pieces. Amen. So I, I, this might sound crazy, but I don't think I really learned much from the first the first chapter because it was just him making the heavens and, and the planet. But I did learn in the, from the second chapter uh, to uh, not be bamboozled by people. And uh, fact check. I, yeah, fact check. Don't be bamboozled. Uh, and that's it, you know, kind of kind of be aware, be aware of your surroundings. Amen. I, uh, there's one point that I'd like to to share before we wrap up, and that was on the image of God. And uh, in the in the uh, study Bible I was looking at, it pointed out that traditionally that the that image that people made in the image of God was looked at two different ways, and uh, the first way was uh, as a certain quality or character that God would impart on human beings or on specific individuals. So I, I guess in my mind, that would be, say, somebody who's in, in, inclined to be generous, uh, somebody's in, you know, to have certain qualities that we might attribute uh, to the image of God. And the second one was as a role or uh, a task assigned to them by God. So maybe Reverend Simmons uh, being a, a pastor uh, uh, was was uh, uh, the way that God put his image on uh, uh, Pastor Simmons. But uh, as you know, I spent uh, time in the African Methodist Episcopal Church and which preaches uh, a gospel of liberation. Uh, this uh study Bible that I, I was required to purchase at the seminary, you know, in a very uh, a stilted and, and, and uh, academic way, uh, you know, said, well, but later on, um, a different approach was uh, asserted uh, of the image of God on behalf of uh, oppressed groups. And then they, they, they uh, listed all, all these groups and uh, so, and what they said was that uh, the divine, uh, the, the divine image, referring to the sanctity uh, and the worth of all human beings, and presumes that all persons are to be treated with equal dignity. And uh, so. Basically, what it's saying is that it refers to the sanctity, uh, E.J., which means the holiness mm. that uh, each of us uh, it's considered holy and and worth uh, that that are, are we are worth much. 
and it presumes that all persons are to be treated with dignity, equal dignity, because we're human beings. And, and when I, when I read that, um, you know, I, I mean, I kind of laughed because you know I'm thinking of you know the church history that I learned and. Uh, uh, one of the scholars in the, in the African Methodist Episcopal Church was James Cone, that is a father of Black liberation theology, and uh, the, so so it took it took oppression, it, it took slavery, it, it, it took uh, bigotry for people to realize that perhaps maybe all of us are equal. Well, and and my question. And my question is, why did it take so long? I, I don't know. That's they, they weren't paying attention. And I, I would say that, and I, I, just in that phraseology, um, it took it took slavery. It took people. It took people reading texts and asserting, "I am a man. I am a human. I am whatever." But I think you see slavery and all that shows person's proclivity to to dehumanize, proclivity to look at someone as less than who God created, um, and all that uh, those pieces. But I do I do know when you talk about like the image of God, um, and I was thinking back. I knew there was a verse in here in chapter one. It said, "Let us." Then God said, "Let us make man in our image and our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air." over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along all the ground. And I, I, I just always think it's amazing um, that here God does all this creation, right? And now here God in, in this text is really telling him, you know, you got to rule over, subdue, create, have dominion over. In other words, God's saying, I want you to mirror me in the world or be an extension of what I do. <laughs> this is what I just did. You're called to do it too. Um, and so... We, we are a reflection to be a reflection of God and too often people use that reflection, use it for, for self instead of using this, this, this ability that God's given us um, to help somebody else to make a difference for someone else. But it's a good reminder that we're too gifted to sit around and do nothing that, that we're called to help somebody else along this journey. Amen. So you were saying before that uh, when uh, you were explaining how, uh, we're in God. Well, we're made in His image, and and that might be that that might not be looks, but that might be maybe your passion for for something. I think that might be true because there are just people that you know they just know what they want to do, and they're like, I'm just gonna work my whole life towards this one thing, and I I don't know where it would come from. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're just five years old, like I want to go to space, and next thing you know, you thirty years later, you're in space. I mean, I, I see it. I, I see how how maybe that could be the case. Amen. Just finding a purpose. Amen. Amen. So I have one more question though. Okay, all right, go ahead. I have one more question. What's up with that flaming sword at the end? Guarding the, the way to, to the to the garden, to to the tree. Where where did where did that come from? Where did it go? What's what's going on with this sword? <laughs> Well, I, I know that, that people throughout history have been looking for that flaming sword. Oh, so they, they, they're really, like you said earlier, like they're really taking these literal, like this act, like if I get in the time machine, I might be able to find this sword somewhere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, but I, what I, is it? obviously it's like a, a reference or or a, 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 maybe an allegory for something else. Like, is it just that? Just mean that Mickey put a guard there, you know, someone to watch the past. There's a whole lot of stuff I done messed up that I can't go back to. Um, <laughs> and uh, sometimes I, I might not be able to see the sword that prevents me from going back. I messed up a relationship one time real good. No matter what I tried to do, I couldn't go back to it. <laughs> right? Um, and sometimes there's some stuff that from the consequence from our decision, we just can't get back to. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, and I also think, too, um, Later in Genesis, there's a story about the Tower of Babel. And uh, so humankind is getting together to build this this tower to, to, to reach heaven. And during the story, God says that they'll, when they work together, uh, they can do just about anything. So what God was saying is that, that if they kept building, they would have reached heaven. Mm. Um but we don't belong in heaven, you know, uh, until we're called home. And so that's when. Look, look. Yeah, yeah, I saw you look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so what God did was confound the languages. So people had a harder time communicating with each other um, because we are made in God's image, but we still are not God. And so now, so when I look at that flaming sword, is God saying that you did mess up, you got too close, you and now you're not getting in. And and just as a sidelight, when you know, uh, when we're when we look at you know the, the the Tower of Babel story, look at all the technology of communication and and translation. And look where we are now. We're on the, you know, we're on the brink of of some really bad wars. So, you know, when we work together, yeah, that get that 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 humankind could do a lot of great things, but they also do some pretty awful things too. And I think that's something that, you know, as we look at the scripture and look at, say, why why did God say you can't come back in? is to analyze the nature of ourselves as humankind mm. because no matter no matter what anybody says about the scriptures whether they're believers in God whether they're believers in Christ uh there are uh an incredible amount of people in this world that see the wisdom that is in that book and that wisdom in the book tells us a lot about our humanity. Amen. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so we end the we end the episode the same way every time with a prayer. And I'm wondering if I could call on Reverend Simmons to pray us out. All right, let's pray. Merciful and everlasting God, Lord, we pause and we give your name thanksgiving and praise. We thank you, gracious God, for your word that allows us to learn more about you, to learn more about ourselves, um, and to grow in you. Thank you, God, uh, for this conversation with Brother EJ and Reverend Moran. And God, I pray that you bless both of them, uh, that they might grow in faith and grow closer 
um, as we seek to mirror you in the world and be a reflection of your love and be a reflection of your characteristics in the world. God, we love you. God, we bless you. And God, we thank you. Thank you for all who will listen. And God, help us to be the people you have called us to be who reflect you, uh, reflect your life, reflect your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And Father God, I just ask that you continue to watch over Reverend Simmons, protect him, and uh, allow him to continue to reflect Christ to others. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good night. <laughs>